welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Brad Garropy. And I'm Richard Gallieber. This week, we're going to be talking about designing for the web and if we actually do it. So Brad, first question to you. Do you design things before you actually get coding? This is only a habit that started recently. I mean, back in the day, I would just sling divs and not think about it at all. But I realized I spent so much time like finicking with my CSS that it would have been easier to just actually design something before you start coding it. So now every project that I do, I start with at least a sketch or typically like something in a design tool, like a digital design tool. What about you? Yeah, so I'm going to be kind of along the same lines as you, I think. Um, really, I've messed around with design tools before, but really only just lately, like the last personal project that I did was probably the first time I actually spent a decent amount of time thinking about and actually laying out a design before I actually started coding anything. And for me personally, I think that might come from the fact that laying out like UX design is kind of foreign given that I've spent a lot of time in the back end where, you know, there is no UX. Um, you'll spend time thinking about how things work, different like APIs, stuff like that. So I guess from that aspect, I've done designing before coding before, but not from a UX perspective. And personally, I think it really helped a lot because when it comes to front-end web development, like you said, like slinging divs, right? So you start coding and you get something up there and it looks all right. And then you start messing with it, you know, and you decide like, oh, I want to take this and put it over on the right side of the page. Or maybe, you know, we'll make it span across the page and be nice and even. And it's, it's easy to mess with that stuff in code, but you can also waste a lot of time messing with the code when it's a lot faster to see what it looks like using a design tool. And I think that's why it helped me a lot. Um, given that you just started kind of doing this more frequently with your projects, do you think it's helpful to do it? Like, what are your thoughts on, should you design before you code or not? Yeah, it's, it's been super helpful. Like you said, it's mostly a time saver because like, imagine if you're just butzing around with a CSS grid and maybe you're using grid template areas. And if you want to make a change to those areas, you're going to have to like go up to the parent grid, redefine all the areas, then go to all the children, change the area that they're put in. And next thing you know, you just change like, I don't know, 10 lines of code where in a design tool, you could have just clicked and dragged and it would have been done. And another thing is like, as engineers, we're always thinking about like the implementation details. Like I see this page, I know the form element. I know how that API call is going to work. But when you design something, and especially if you design like multiple pages of an application, you think about like a user's flow through through the app. Like if they're creating something when they fill out the form and what happens when they press submit and, you know, error states, loading states, what happens on like the next screen that they get taken to. And I realized when I start coding without a design. I just strictly think about implementation and it feels so jank to actually use. Yeah, it can definitely, if you don't have a good plan going in, like, you know, index.html, that turns out great. Everything after that <laughs> is just kind of a, 
Well, we built this with duct tape and bubble gum and uh, it works. It's, it's kind of my experience, like comparing how things went um, on personal projects. Again, things that I've done professionally, like normally there's a UX team who does all this stuff, you know, and they come to you with this design. And so you have that to go off of, right? But when I've been doing things on my own, I think that's probably where that comes from too, right? Because professionally, this isn't really a skill set that I developed of doing the UX design before actually coding. Because normally, you know, that comes with the, hey, here's what we want it to do. And hey, here's what it looks like. Make it look like this. Great. Um, and so having that kind of in my own, like, you know, because you have an idea of what you want a project to look like, but it's not always fleshed out as much. Another thing with this project that I just finished working on that was really helpful about design was like before actually coding was that I took the time to do, you know, like a desktop browser version, an iPad version and a mobile version. And you start to realize what you can turn into individual components very easily when you start to see it laid out that way. And also like what needs to happen with the components. Yeah. Like doing design work forces you to think about these things. Jumping straight into implementation, you don't you don't think about that at all. You think more about performance or efficiency or or whatnot, code reuse. But yeah, when you're doing actual UX design work, you think about the user experience first. And I think that's where every app should start. Implementation is a detail, an implementation detail uh, that is totally separate from UX. Now, I'm with you. I wasn't trained to do this. Uh, I typically have a team who gives me specs at work, but I've just kind of developed this in personal projects because you you can't just leave everything with default style, so it has to look a certain way. And that's like the entry point into, I should figure out how this looks first. And eventually that evolves into like, not only how it looks, but also how it functions and flows. Yeah, I agree. And, and to that look point real quick, another thing that... I took the time to do was figure out the typography that I wanted to use. And that's something that, you know, to your point about like laying out the grid, it's really easy to take a look at what the type, like different fonts and different sizings look like altogether in a design tool. Even using something like typescale.com, right? Where you can take the fonts and the different uh, scales and look at it actually on a page is extremely helpful. Because if you know, you just go to Google fonts and you find a font that you like and you you know for headings and you find a different font for the body like seeing them together gives you a different feel for what they will actually look like when you have headings and paragraphs together and so taking that extra time to do that quickly beforehand is very useful you know because at that point you haven't gone and styled your whole thing around a font and then realized oh no this looks terrible <laughs> And I actually think like that level of detail is almost secondary. So for me, when I start designing, I've actually started using pen and paper. Look, I live my entire life digitally. I don't write anything ever. <laughs> and But when it comes to design work, I've actually found it more beneficial to actually use pen and paper and try out three or four different, you know, designs or, or layouts before I move into Figma, because every step of the design process all the way through coding 
it's a little bit more invested, concrete, if you will. You know, if you start out in code and you have to change layout, it's harder. Okay. If you're using a digital design tool and you need to change the layout, okay, it's a little bit easier. But if you roll all the way back to pen and paper, at least for the main layout of things, that's the easiest. You just flip the page, try a different one, then you have a couple options, and then you start kind of making it more concrete as you go. So I start with pen and paper, no, no typography, no like CSS type stuff, then move to a digital design tool where I get into, you know, uh, design tokens a little bit more and, you know, componentizing things and using font styles and, and shadows and stuff, then move to code. What, what about you? Do you start from baseline pen and paper? I definitely have. And I think that's, I don't know, I was just thinking about this while you're talking about pen and paper. It's weird because pen and paper is like the least intimidating thing to start with, but it's also the most flexible and like infinite possibilities. And I think that's kind of a weird thing. But aside from that, the, the ease of just scrapping an idea or changing something with pen and paper, I think is a great place to start. I also like to kind of go and get inspiration from other sources, right? So like looking at similar type projects, looking at different sort of ways that people have done things that I find appealing on the internet for inspiration is also a great place to start. Um, kind of creating, I guess, like a mood board, if you will, for inspiration, just mentally bookmarking a few things. I don't have like any sort of formal process there. And then going to that pen and paper or into a design tool. Um, and like you mentioned Figma, I think that we'll, we can talk about design tools here in a little bit, but yeah, it's definitely a iterative process of like refining from super broad idea to this is what I kind of think I want it to do to this is what I actually want it to look like. And even then, I don't know, I give myself a lot of flexibility personally, where after I've designed something and I think it looks great in practice once you actually start using it, things can go differently, right? Like you might decide that the layout of a page just really doesn't work once you actually start scrolling through the pages or going, you know, between different pages. Yeah, and I think it's it's actually using the product where you get the feel for what it's like. So like you're entering a form or you're saving some preferences and when you hit that confirm button, it needs to feel like you landed in the right place, like it accepted your actions and you don't get that feel until it is coded in a lot of cases. So there will always be iteration even in your design and you have to be open to change, but it's, it's always good to just have a starting point where you tried to think about some of this stuff. Yeah. So when it comes to those designs, do you personally prefer the pen and paper version or the more pixel perfect, like design in Figma or sketch, like an actual tool, like what are your thoughts there on the different like, you know, types of design? Yeah, so pen and paper is just for me to get like get the idea out of my head almost and and onto something. Like it's not a real app until you at least have a wireframe. And I guess that's that's what I would call it. I would use pen and paper for wireframes only. Uh just boxes with squiggles in them, nothing more than that. That's the first thing that makes it real. Uh but typically like what I work off of is a Figma file. Um, that is my design tool of choice. And I'll, I'll get that wireframe into Figma and then do typography, box shadows, borders, colors, 
And that's the, the basis that I use when I start coding. Uh, and eventually those pieces of paper just get thrown away too. Like Figma, I do have kind of a repository of all the designs I've done and all the iterations and they live there. And that's what all my current projects are built on. Now, it's never pixel perfect, I'll tell you that much. You know, I'll get into code and I'll be like, eh, this could be bumped a little bit. It looks a little funny because maybe I'm just not the best uh, design tool user at the end of the day. So I, I am never pixel perfect to my Figma designs, mostly because my Figma designs aren't intended to be pixel perfect. Yeah, I definitely hear you there. It's a, I don't know, Figma is a kind of a foreign tool sometimes, in my opinion, with all the uh, different options that you have there. When it comes to actual tools, so you mentioned Figma. Do you use anything else personally other than pen and paper and Figma? Uh, I have tried Photoshop for some of this stuff and realized it was totally the wrong tool for the job. Uh, I've used XD mainly at work. I, I like consume designs from XD, but I've never used it for creating designs. And mostly because I want the tools that I use outside of work to be uh, portable and free and you know last me as long as possible, which maybe we can talk about the Figma changes in a bit. But yeah, th those are the ones that I've used. Um, and Excaladraw, I like Excaladraw a lot for wireframing as well. So if you don't wanna start from pen and paper, but you want that wireframe look, that hand-drawn, quick and dirty look and feel, Excaladraw is a great option. Cool, yeah, I definitely use Figma. I've messed with Sketch some. It's very similar, in my opinion, to Figma, but just not as broadly used, I guess, simply because it's limited to Mac. Um, I really like that Figma has some options where you can use it from like a tablet as well, because it kind of opens up the, the ability to just get thoughts out as far as design goes and not be at your desk or at a computer specifically. I wish Figma had like a better drawing input mode. Like I wish I could just kind of draw a square and it would snap to like a square because then I would use Figma as my quote unquote pen and paper replacement and it, I could just start there. Yeah, I, I've tried using some note-taking apps on my iPad before, and it's weird, to me at least, this is kind of a digression, but it's weird that in my brain, if I'm doing it on an iPad, I want that like snap to square thing to work perfectly. Whereas if I'm using pen and paper, I have like, my lines look like they were written during an earthquake, you know, like it's ridiculous. And that's totally fine because, you know, it's pen and paper. But if it's on a screen, suddenly like my brain wants things to be like perfect, which I think is, I don't know. It just kind of goes back to that, like pen and paper is so approachable um, as a place to start. Almost non-committal in that sense. Like, I don't like it. You crumple it and like it's gone. Right. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's weird. I like, I definitely like the using tools like that though, to get thoughts out for sure. When it comes to design we both kind of, I think, agree that the higher fidelity the design is, the easier it is to actually code up. When you're using a tool like Figma or Sketch, have you ever used like the CSS that it creates directly in your code? Actually, never. I've always noticed that maybe it's because I'm using like a different font scale because I do lots of things in rems and not pixels or rems and ems and not pixels. Figma, what they export doesn't quite match up to like the scale that I'm using. So. 
I'll look at their raw pixel values, do whatever translation I need to do to get it into my REM and M scale, my app. What about you? Uh, do you use any tools? I guess you started using Figma recently, right? Yes. So I will agree, like on the font stuff, Figma is not great in my opinion. Where it becomes really powerful is things like um, creating box shadow and border radius and colors, right? All that becomes super simple to be like, look at the CSS, copy, paste, done. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. And I actually like, I use Figma to make components as well. So like my button looks like this and it has a box shadow like this and I can, I can reuse that through my Figma designs. And then it's almost an easy mental model to say, what are my React components? They're my Figma components. Yes, and I think that, that like, that's what I was kind of mentioning before that when you are using a design tool, it kind of gets you into that space of thinking about turning different objects into components and what that means in the different views as well. Like when you are being, you know, looking at it on the desktop versus on a phone screen. And if you need separate components or if it will be the same component, what that means as far as the layout. I will say that's one thing, and maybe this is just I'm too new at Figma, but like responsive Figma components, I wish those were a thing so that you could design a component right and have it be both ways. I really wish that was a thing because in my brain, I'll make a, you know, a desktop component. Say you're doing like a a contact form, right? Like you make the desktop contact form and then you want to just reuse that component on the mobile view that you're designing in Figma. But nope, we have to go make a whole new component. And I really just wish it was one because in my brain, then I'm like, okay, these are two separate components when it comes to actually coding, but they don't need to be right. They can be the same thing. You can have them be responsive and just change to fit. And so that's the one thing recently getting into Figma more that I just, I wish was there. It probably would be ridiculously terrible if it was there because it would be a nightmare to set up or something, but. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's, that's the important of realizing the medium that you're working in and what it's intent is for. You realize this is why we need code. You know, these design tools only go so far. And this is where your JavaScript and CSS can take over and really make things dynamic. That's, that's the whole point. One of the things I struggle with in Figma constantly is grid layouts. I love their auto layout tool, but it has weird limitations that I've run into where I can't make things look the way I want it to look. Yeah, I can't really say that I've run into that much, but I do know that the auto layout stuff was a challenge to even just get a start with and start to understand like how it works and the flow of it. It's definitely a different skill set altogether. Now, I think this just comes from the fact that, you know, you and I just aren't seasoned designers, but there are even tools out there that that kind of help you along even more. Like there are tools like Webflow where I believe it's it's drag and drop. I haven't used Webflow, truth be told, but from what I understand, it's almost like a drag and drop creator that spits out code for you. So that's that's this lo- new low code idea of bridging the gap between design and development. Have you ever had any uh, experience with tools like that? Not recently. So like the drag and drop website design reminds me of like Dreamweaver back in the day. Uh, um, and I mean, it would make websites look, <laughs> I just remember looking at the code and being like, oh my gosh, what is this mess? Um, 
I haven't used anything like that recently. I could imagine it being just like infinity divs or something ridiculous like that in order to make the drag and drop work. I do think this is something I often wonder about with these like low code, no code tools that are coming out. They're definitely getting better. And sometimes it makes me slightly nervous as a developer to see how good they're getting. Like Square, Squarespace is a fantastic tool and the websites that it produces are great. I've never used it. Never used Squarespace Wix, any of those creators. Yeah. So I've only used Squarespace like once, I think, but it was, I mean, the WYSIWYG editor works and it works really well. And I don't know, sometimes I'm like, man, the idea that you could, you know, do some freelance projects for just like random small businesses. I think that's going by the wayside in the not too distant future because it's getting very easy to do that kind of stuff. So I know you recently started using Figma and I've been a fan of it for a while, mostly because it's free and <laughs> most all the tools I use are free. But Figma recently just had this announcement. I don't know if you've heard that it's kind of adding a cost model when you want to share and collaboratively edit designs. Does that worry you at all? It, this kind of goes back to our episode about free hosting and where you can get into this weird problem where if you don't pay for something, suddenly they can do this and start charging. I don't fault Figma for charging for their product. Their product is amazing. Like it is, it's great. It's kind of ridiculous to be able to use it for free. Um, like I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm surprised that it was free to begin with, right? Because of given how good it is, um, you, you know, you mentioned that I recently started using it. And when I was starting to look into more design stuff, it was definitely a comparison of like sketch to Figma. And what pushed me to Figma was the fact that it was free. Like Sketch costs money. It's a great tool. It's Mac only, but that doesn't bother me because I have a Mac and that's what I use for my dev work. And, you know, comparing the two, like, cool, I'll go with the free option that does basically everything the same. And now it's going to start costing money and it'll be about the same cost as Sketch. So I am kind of curious to see what this does to their overall adoption. Um, so to answer your question, like, yes, it does kind of worry me a little bit. They still have a free tier. It doesn't allow as much, right? It's more of the, uh, grocery store sample, not the, uh, here, take a whole pack home with you model. From what I'm reading about the free tier, I think I might be largely unaffected because I do everything solo in Figma. Um, the main thing that they're charging for is collaborative editing. So if you have you know, a, a team immediately you're, you're bumped into a pricing model, but they say that the drafts folder is still yours to make in yours to play with. And that's where I kept all my stuff anyways. I didn't have a whole ton of organization around it. So I think I might actually be okay, but man, I, I definitely started sweating bullets there for a minute when I saw them announce that. Yeah. I think it's, it's unfortunate that it's going to penalize people who spend more time organizing things into different projects too. Cause I think it's, if you have project folders, even if you're a solo designer, if you will, I think that that will become a problem. It'll be interesting to see what happens, right? Like there's always the possibility that they change this model too in the future. Yeah. And apparently everything that you've had up till now is going to stay free. So just start making a bunch of new stuff. Cause I don't think it's rolled out yet. 
Just make folders for every project idea you'd ever want in the future. That's Brad's hot tip. Make lots of projects now and just name them generic names so that you can have them in the future. It's a land grab, folks. It's a land grab. (laughs) Just like domain names, you know, it's the same thing. First come, first serve. That is one thing that I wanted to bring up in our episode about hosting is, do you think there will ever be a time in the future where there is a free domain name service? Because that's basically, we were talking about all the things you can do as a project, right? And domain names are the only piece that you would have to pay for. Yeah. And that's like literally my only expense for any of my projects. Do I think there'll be a free domain name hosting in the future? Probably not, because I just think a domain name uh, is, it gets real businessy, SEO, you know, like I think, I think a domain name is a premium thing that will, that will always have a charge associated with it. I've wanted brad.ly so bad, but it's taken. And this guy's just not going to give it up. I messaged him. He's not going to give it up. Yeah, we, we should uh, start a domain name service that's like, you know, your first thousand DNS queries are free. And then we'll <laughs> stop serving it and, you know, do like that model. It's a great startup idea. It's probably terrible. We went through, you know, designing before you code. I think that we could both say that we're a fan of it. We don't always necessarily do it. You know, like sometimes you just got to get in there, start just jamming away on the keyboard um, and, you know, suffer the consequences of poor planning. But we both definitely are fans of designing before you code. We talked about the more detailed you can be with your designs, the better it actually turns out because you benefit from the fact that you've thought through everything a bit more, I think. And we've talked through some of the tools. Is there anything else that you want to touch on with designs and designing before you code? Do you want to maybe just give some concrete examples of what was the last thing you designed out and coded and talk specifically about like if anything went wrong or what you had to go back and change? Yeah. So the last thing I did was actually a portfolio website for my wife. She's gotten into surface pattern design. And so kind of building that out. And I think too, when it comes to creating something for someone else, designing before you start coding becomes even more important because then they can see it and start to give feedback on it before you spend any time actually like creating the thing. Right. And so changing stuff is very easy, as we mentioned, in these design tools. Um, We added, like an example is we added like a very subtle uh, SVG to the background of the website. And doing that was like super simple, super fast, you know, just get a PNG, throw it in there, see how it looks, change it out for a different one. Granted, that wouldn't be too hard to do on an actual website, right? Like we're talking like one CSS element and putting a file in there. But just, just kind of an example of like you can iterate on it really fast. You can also see it, you know, how things looked as far as like text layout and stuff like that. Like we went through a few different font iterations and stuff like that. It was very quick to do that. Um, color palettes were also something that we kind of iterated on. And again, changing out colors is very fast, especially if you kind of follow like, I don't know what to call them, like the Figma best practices of creating like that component piece, right? Before you actually create all the different views, you change the one component. Boom, it changes across all the different boards and you can see your change really quick and get feedback almost instantly. I think that was super useful. What about you? Yeah, I just got to say that's that's a great point. Feedback, faster feedback 
is a huge, huge benefit, completely understated of like doing design first. With that feedback piece, one thing to, to note is that you can have multiple versions side by side, which is not something that's super easy to do in actual code, right? To like see multiple different versions of a design and compare which one is like, you know, the best. Yeah, you could use branches and like deploy previews on Netlify, but then you got multiple browsers open and yeah, it's, it's definitely harder to compare and more of a pain in the butt to manage. And that sounds like it would take a long time <laughs> compared, compared to, you know, just like copy, change color. What do you think about this? Yeah, and for me, I just did a redesign of the homepage of bradgarrapy.com. And by the time y'all are listening to this podcast, it should be completely done. And I started in Figma and it was really helpful to do the visual design and the elements there. But some of the issues I ran into were like, what about the interaction? So like hover effects, I usually don't spend a whole lot of time on in a design tool. But when I was using the site, it felt really like flat and plain. And a lot of these were links that needed to be, you know, shown in a certain way or interactive. And that was something that I had to go back to actually my code and change. I didn't actually update that in the design tool. And that's where I get that drift. Anytime something doesn't feel right, I'll typically adjust it in code first. And that's how the design falls behind. Something that just came to mind is when we talk about designs, do you spend any time like planning out things like transitions in your designs and like hover effects, stuff like that? Because that adds a ton to the look and feel of a website. And I personally like don't know of that happening in a tool like Figma. And I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't do any like uh, hover states or animations. The only thing that I will hook up is if I have multiple pages of a website and I've designed them all out, you can do like the click areas where if you click on this button, it'll transition to this, this frame in Figma. So that way you can navigate the website and have it feel natural or like emulate your user flows, but none of like the actual interactive animations that the user will experience when hovering and clicking. Okay. I don't know if that's, maybe that's just ignorance on my own part, not knowing if that's something that you can really do in Figma, but I don't know that it is. And that's kind of an interesting. I'm with you. I think you can make like variants of a component for hover and for like normal and four visited, but I don't, I don't actually think you can make it respond like that in the preview. So that wraps up this episode on designing before you code and the different design tools you can use to accomplish that. If you do design before you code, be sure to share your designs with us. You can join our discord link is in the show notes. Thank you for tuning into web dev weekly. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe in your podcast player and check us out on Twitter. You can find our handles in the show notes. See you next week.